Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processes podcast series, The Main Column. Today's episode, we're looking at automation technology and how it is supporting the growing demand for green diesel. Now, before we start the podcast today, we really want to thank our sponsor for this episode, Merikim. Americam is a global leader in full-service sulfur removal, caustic treating, and spent caustic treatment technologies. Americam also provides spent caustic handling services as an alternative to technology solutions. Serving customers worldwide, its deep expertise and comprehensive capabilities encompass design and engineering, fabrication, research and testing, logistics, implementation, and technical support. Americam's reputation stands on principles of proven performance unsurpassed expertise, and an uncommon commitment to its customers. So if you'd like to learn more about Maritim, please visit Maritim.com. Now with that, let's get on with the podcast. Now the search to find alternatives to petroleum-based transportation fuels is nothing new. But over the last century, most efforts were a response to availability constraints or high costs. Now, Motivations are driven by decarbonization efforts, which require replacing fossil sources with renewables. Today's alternative fuel projects evaluate their greenhouse gas reduction, or GHG reduction, by determining a carbon intensity score, calculating all total hydrocarbons consumed, or GHGs released, per unit of energy produced. Numerically, it indicates grams of carbon dioxide equivalent per megajoule of energy or fuel produced. Therefore, the lower the CI score, the better. When all factors are considered, how much does manufacturing and consumption of an alternatively sourced transportation fuel represent a lower carbon intensity score versus conventionally produced crude oil? So that's what this podcast is going to focus on today. First, let's look at ethanol. So blending ethanol into gasoline is relatively simple, and this technique is used throughout the world to add a renewable component to the fuel driven by regulations as much as value. Theoretically, ethanol is fully renewable since it can be made from plant sources, including corn, sugar beets, and sugar cane, and to a lesser extent from cellulosic waste materials, such as wood chips and crop residues. Still, it gives back some of its carbon intensity score savings since fossil fuels are used in its production to plant and harvest the crops, along with required distillation processes. The use of food stocks for this purpose has also occasionally disrupted food pricing and distribution. Next is diesel. Now this category is of its own since there are various ways to manufacture this fuel that has the basic characteristics of diesel. In the crudest form, some inventive people have modified diesel cars to run on minimally processed restaurant firewood. So let's first look at biodiesel. So biodiesel begins with vegetable oils and animal fats as feedstocks which are converted to fatty acid methyl esters, or FAME, through transesterification. ASTM D6751-20A, standard specification for biodiesel fuel blend stock for middle distillate fuels, categorizes biodiesel as monoalkyl esters of long-chain fatty acids derived from vegetable oils and animal fats. Now, this process is suitable for large and small-scale installations, and vehicles can be adapted to run on biodiesel directly with some modifications to the engine. However, biodiesel tends to gel at low temperatures, so it can only be added to conventional diesel in limited amounts. So when we look at renewable or green diesel, so these use a much different process since plant and animal-derived oils are different than petroleum. To make them the same, 
a dehydrogenization reaction is necessary to remove a carboxyl group from the fatty acid. Once a hydrodeoxygenation process has been performed, the resulting material is distilled much like crude oil. The result is fuel indistinguishable from conventional diesel, plus propane and naphtha as byproducts. It is regulated under ASTM D975-21, which reinforces the point of its interchangeability. The byproducts from the process can be used as non-fossil fuels to meet processing needs, sold as chemical feedstocks, or added to blending stocks to reduce the carbon intensity score of conventionally produced gasoline. Lastly, sustainable aviation fuel. It's like renewable diesel in that it is indistinguishable from conventional fuel and is therefore regulated under ASTM D1655-21C. However, for aircraft use, its characteristics must be tuned to fulfill specific attributes outlined in the standard. Still, with the right plant configuration and assets, renewable diesel plants can alter their operations to produce sustainable aviation fuel or renewable diesel as needed. All right, so let's now shift to economics and environmentalism. In contrast to the past, the global petroleum supply chain has overcome availability issues and unconventional fossil-based fuels are invariably less costly than anything from bio-based sources. Today, motivations for alternative fuels are driven first and foremost by environmental considerations, whether by force or direct regulation, incentive programs, or to meet demands from shareholders and the general public. Incentives include things like subsidies and tax breaks to launch and maintain these projects, which can help mitigate the additional costs. Some are based on the carbon intensity score of the fuel produced, rewarding carbon reduction directly. Incentives vary widely and are often site-specific, so individual companies must examine the possibilities case by case. The critical considerations in this specific industry segment hinge on several key points. One, the manufacturing process in use here are relatively new, so many installations lack a deep experience base. Two, markets for renewable fuels are stable or expanding, but regulations and incentives are still in flux, so producers must respond quickly to beneficial incentives and other opportunities. And three, processes can often use a variety of feedstocks. So a facility processing soybean oil one day may have to switch to used cooking oil or meat processing waste the next due to cost and availability, requiring operators to determine how the process must be adjusted. Now we're gonna look at green diesel production units. Now the process and its associated equipment are normally designed and constructed under the supervision of a technology licensor. A production unit will include the automation hardware and instrumentation necessary to run the process effectively, but instrumentation choices and automation technologies may not be optimized to meet future renewable fuel demands. Many producers find it necessary to make instrumentation and control system improvements incrementally after the unit is in operation. Now, these add costs initially but provide more in-depth analysis and control, thereby improving process flexibility, decreasing maintenance costs, and delivering lower life cycle costs. So there also is a list that's been comprised about best practices for automating, optimizing, and future-proofing operations while improving speed to market. Ultimately, the process can become more efficient while reducing the carbon intensity score, so fuel produced reduces the overall carbon footprint. Now, the following are going to be a few of these examples where operational gains can be made using this approach. First, we're going to look at digital advances. 
When it comes to feedstock flexibility, now the risk of multiple feedstocks is that they can have different chemical characteristics and contaminant levels. High corrosiveness can reduce the life of many alloys, commonly used for conventional refining, damaging piping, reactors, heat exchangers, and control valves. Refineries that add green diesel production units discover new processing challenges not found in conventional refinery. Those include things like oxides and acids and intermediates that increase corrosion. Temperatures and pressures can run higher in a green diesel hydroprocessing unit, creating challenges for instrumentation and control valve selection. Paraffin-like components make the process more sticky, causing control problems over time. Ultrasonic thickness sensors measure metal thickness continuously, tracking the advance of corrosion. Electrical-resistant probes measure corrosiveness of the processed fluid itself, alerting operators when conditions can cause equipment damage and when corrosion inhibitors should be added. These technologies help producers understand the impact varying feedstocks have on the process. Now, the reactor section is the most critical unit for maximizing profitability, with reliable and tight control required for smooth operations. Poor control performance can shorten catalyst life and reduce yield, so picking the right control valves is a crucial step in the design process. Digital valve controllers offer advanced diagnostic capabilities able to monitor condition and performance of the entire valve assembly while the valve is actively controlling the process. And this information can be used to improve operations. Next is remote proof testing of safety instrumentated systems. So safety instrumentated systems, or SISs, must be tested periodically to verify their functionality. Usually, these are manual tests and require process shutdowns. Where permitted, partial proof tests reduce interference with operations. So some partial proof test procedures can even be programmed into the control and performed automatically without the need for a shutdown or even operator intervention. Next is asset monitoring. This practice applies a variety of sensor types to monitor the effectiveness and condition of strategic manufacturing assets. Many sensors are wireless and non-intrusive, making them easy to install without waiting for a turnaround. For example, a critical pump should have sensors to measure vibration, bearing temperature, seal flushing flow, and other basic functions. Maintenance managers can see resulting data on an interactive dashboard with warnings when measurements change, suggesting a nascent failure. Similarly, sensors on a heat exchanger can indicate its condition and efficiency, also reporting via a dashboard. Next is SIMS and PIMS. So combustion processes driving heaters and boilers normally require a continuous emissions monitoring system, or SIMS, using flue gas analyzers. In some cases, conventional SIMs can be augmented or replaced by a predictive emissions monitoring system, or PIMS, that uses a process model to calculate pollutant releases based on operating conditions. The next is energy balance and information systems. Outside of feedstocks, hydrogen and energy are the largest operating costs for renewable diesel plants. The ability to measure and control energy consumption depends on detailed data and sophisticated analysis for presentation to operators. Here, energy management is fundamental to the very concept and purpose of sustainable fuel manufacturing. Poor energy management reduces an improvement in overall carbon intensity score. An artificial intelligence-based energy management information system may help provide early detection of poor performance, effective performance reporting, and support for decision making. Next is mass balance and production optimization. 
Feedstock variability in this context can be very high. For one year, one plant reported 132 suppliers of 14 different feed types from 362 different locations. So how does a plant measure how such variability affects process variables? Without effective measurement, reactor control can be nearly impossible. The data from Coriolis flow meters reflect true mass flow measurements, and this information can be used to ensure proper reactor control is maintained. The accuracy of the mass flow meters can be easily verified to ensure plant data is valid. An additional challenge associated with a changing feedstocks mix is understanding operational constraints and identifying optimum operating conditions for each feed type, providing optimum targets and identifying non-optimum considerations. Analytical software can be used to set dynamic operating targets based on conditional operating scenarios. It can also identify operational problems using equipment readings, alerts, and status to generate root cause analysis. And of course, this helps deliver product consistency and historical data useful for future feedstock analysis. Another one is custody transfer validation and verification. Custody transfer, whether fuels and feedstocks are coming in or product going out, is the point where money changes hands. Custody transfer measurement systems must provide the best possible measurement accuracy and reliability and comply with commercial and regulatory regulations. This generally calls for Coriolis mass flow meters with unquestioned accuracy across a wide range, supported by self-verification via internal diagnostics to prove the flow meter is functioning correctly regardless of conditions. And automation of regulatory and tax reporting is our last area. Now, utilizing the best available technologies and systems for custody transfer and mass balance are important components of the regulatory requirements for a renewable diesel plant, but this needs to go beyond that. Reports require extensive data from many sources, including point source feed supplier reconciled pathways, contracts, invoices, transportation information, and custody transfer documentation, among others. Data gathering and analysis platforms provide a means to automate data gathering, analysis, visualization, and reporting while having the added flexibility to adapt to future requirements. A central data repository stores all types of data required for reports and analytics with integrated visualization to reduce the labor needed to create highly accurate yet flexible reports. So looking ahead, when we look at the United States in particular, renewable diesel production is running in third place behind ethanol and biodiesel. Domestic renewable diesel production was about 72 million gallons per month in late 2021, but this is nearly double the production from a year earlier. These figures fluctuate from month to month, but ethanol and biodiesel imports have matured. Demand for ethanol under current regulations is unlikely to increase, and limitations to biodiesel's practicality suggest it has also reached a plateau. Globally, the picture is a lot more complex as some countries are pushing for advanced biofuels and production coupled with carbon capture and storage. Regardless of how the larger picture is dissected, the United States Energy Information Administration calls for growing production capacity with North America remaining the largest market. Now, renewable diesel has enormous room for growth since it can be blended without constraints and used at 100% concentration. It represents a highly practical approach to reduce carbon intensity and replace a significant portion of the conventional diesel available today. So its potentially is effectively limitless. Many renewable diesel production units 
are located on an existing refinery site to take advantage of transport infrastructure and human resources. Some refinery locations have multiple units installed, and others are planning or constructing expansions. To make these projects as effective as possible, engineering teams must examine and consider the improvements possible using the types of digital technologies that have been discussed in this podcast. These technologies can be used to maximize efficient use of feedstocks and consumption of fossil fuels during production. When this is done correctly, renewable diesel with the lowest possible carbon intensity score can be produced for the greatest effect on carbon reduction. Any company considering construction of a new unit or an upgrade or expansion of existing capacity should take the time to understand all possible options, evaluate the available digital technologies, and select the best ones for maximum operational improvement. Automation is key to developing smart operations with the flexibility to switch feedstocks as pretreatment units and associated automation technologies help plants use various feedstocks without damaging existing refinery equipment. Again, we want to thank you for listening to this latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. And again, a big thank you to our sponsor, Maritim. You can find out more at maritim.com.